Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 229th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that still stands, as should we all, with the movement to end racial injustice and to fund police services in favor of more effective options. This week, let's add on to the top of that, uh, getting rid of uh, unidentified paramilitary outfits spiriting away citizens in minivans. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week is Cliff Daigle, a.k.a. at Word of Commander. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Looking forward to sharing valuable information with all of you. This show, as always, is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at MTGPrice.com to track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on the agenda this week? This week, we're going to talk about some of the fun uh, tournaments that have gone on in Magic Online. There's a couple sweet things going on over in Modern and Pioneer. Then we're going to move on to segment two, the uh, top movers in paper and online. Then you and I have our picks of the week, uh, one of yours I've been meaning to buy for some time now. And then we're going to talk in segment four about double masters, uh, both what to do if one of your cards gets, you've got uh, holdings of a card that gets previewed, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the really, really garbage takes being thrown around online as the layout of um, and makeup of the set gets uh, revealed to us. It's, it's both wonderful and terrible. That's really what it is. Fair enough. So, we'll start off this week with uh, our metagame week in review. We're looking at the Magic Online Modern uh, Championship Qualifier. uh, And looks like a Tron deck at the top of that stack this week. Um, We saw this version in motion uh, in top eights over the last few weeks. Featuring four Karn the Great Creator, two Ugin the Ineffable, uh, Eldrazi's of various shapes and sizes, Walking Ballista, Dismember, Spatial Contortion, All is Dust, Chalice of the Void, Expedition Map, about to be reprinted in Double Masters, and Maze Mind Tome, uh, a f- early foil EA winner uh, from Core 21. It's great. I mean, uh, anything with the uh, Eldrazi is going to make me happy. I like uh, Colorless Lands. We're going to see if this stays good. It's already playing stuff from the box toppers that we're going to have. Not really a big deal online. But when we eventually get to modern in person again, that might be one of the decks that people come stampeding back to. We we will really have to see about that. Because this, wasn't really, this version wasn't really a thing when uh, we all went into lockdown. So I don't know how much people are going to anticipate it. I also wouldn't be surprised to see Eldrazi Temple get reprinted in Double Masters, given that it makes two mana. <laughs> sure. Uh, that We might find that out tomorrow. Why not? Uh, unfortunately, something tells me it wouldn't be a box topper. Um, so you wouldn't be able to align your box topper goodness with your Urza lands, but still. Second place in this tournament was a 
uh, blue-white control list featuring two Jace the Mind Sculptor and two Teferi Time Raveler uh, with a whole bunch of blue-white control cards, and then a Stoneforge Mystic Package going to get Batterskull, Sword of Feast or Famine, uh, Snapcaster Backup, and Shark Typhoon as an alternate finisher uh, that uh, can do some work uh, at instant speed without people being able to counter back. Yeah, um, there's a real premium on you know something that your opponent can't do anything about and this is up there on the you need a uh, a special trick for so I, i'm for it I, I like anything with shark typhoon it's been a card we've talked about before uh it's going to be on our top movers online so really uh you should be ready for just how prevalent this card is going to be going forward third place is a bant uh control mid-range control list with a mixture of planeswalkers snow creatures uro stormforge mystic package as well the the notable flag here is that people that thought um arkham's astrolab was going to invalidate snow strategies <laughs> were probably jumping the gun and i did warn people in the discord that unloading ice fang Quaddle might be premature sure enough we've got this deck doing just fine in third place with three ice fang Quaddles. And still running a bunch of snowlands to support it. Yeah, uh, you don't need a lot to make um, the combination of uh, quaddles. I'm always glad when I can say that stupid word. Uh, whenever you can make quaddle good, and uh, it just needs the right snow count. Astrolabe uh, made it easier, but it wasn't the only way to roll. You know, I'll really be impressed if we get like some. Hydar Rhymewind Master action going on in one of these decks. That would really make my heart sing. <laughs> Uro, Uro is, is key here. Even though there's only two copies in here, the extra land drops you get off that card helps make sure that <clears throat> one of your snow-covered basics arrives and your fetches do some more work in that regard. Pulling out duels, shock, I mean shocks or uh, snow-covered basics, depending on what your mana requirements are in the turn in question. Moving on, we've got uh, fourth place being a Jund uh, Death Shadow list. We've seen versions of this for years now, and uh, nothing uh, new or different here, other than that they have uh, Lurus of the Dream Den in the main, it looks like, right? Yes, there's one copy in the main because you can't have um, Street Wraith. At, you can't have Street Wraith oh, yeah, yeah. and then Lurus as a companion. But one Lurus main deck... Is just it. It must feel really great to have that, because then you just start churning through your awesomeness. <clears throat> well, unless you get that back cheap Tarmogoyf, cheap Death Shadows, so you're getting maximum effectiveness out of returning two mana casting costs or less creatures from the graveyard, and you can also recycle Mishra's Baubles. So uh, that's cute. And uh, I've been holding my extended art foil Lurises, both Japanese and English, because I'm fairly convinced this card's not done yet i would agree with you on that um fifth place a pretty straightforward uh burn deck using uh blue red burn this is uh using four stormwing entity which i talked about in my picks last week and three spite sprite dragon too bad i hate the art the godzilla alt art for the dorat the perfect pet because <laughs> Otherwise, I might be buying some. I mean, I opened enough of them in Ico CBs that it's not like I need any extras. But uh, it's interesting that the the prowess uh, builds are 
back into a blue-red mode and seem to be, this seems like a pretty tuned uh, list, actually. Sixth place here, we have a, looks like Sultai Amulet Titan. Am I looking at that right? Yep. Uh, is it Sultai? No, it's just green-blue, right? Yeah, green-blue Amulet Titan. Karn the Great Creator with his toolbox in the sideboard, Dryad of the Elysian Grove. Uro, Sakura Tribe Scout, and Primeval Titans, Amulet of Vigor. This is very similar to the versions we've seen hanging around for years, um, and also looks tuned for the, the evolving meta here. Seventh place is a, another a mono red take, uh, no, a t, uh, gruel take on yeah. the Prowess builds, where they're using Hooting Mandrills and Tarmogoyfs. Yeah. In lieu of the blue card. So instead of flying in, they're trying to get bigger bodies on the board. Interesting. Yeah, Hooting Mandrills, it looks like a, a pretty fun deck, a pretty fun addition when you're turning through things with Mishra's Bauble, Light Up the Stage, Lava Darts, all the Manamorphos. You just churn, 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 spell, spell, spell. Here's a 4 4 trample for a single mana. And then they've got they've got Jengatha, or sorry, not Jengatha, Jagantha, the Wellspring, as their. Uh, companion in the sideboard because it just happens to work they have all single casting single colored casting costs in that deck so you may as well have your gigantha uh you know free five five for five uh eighth place we've got a teamer wilderness reclamation uh control brew that's using nexus of fate so this is nexus of fate wilderness reclamation is a pioneer problem right so now we see this leaking into modern top eating I mean, what, if it's good enough to tr dominate one format, why not try it in another one? Um, especially in decks where you have, you know, it's not like it's fully built around it. There's only the one Nexus of Fate in this deck. But um, when you're playing already the high value cards, you've got, you know, four Cryptics, four Factor Fiction, which just, uh I, I, I would purr if I could do that effectively on a podcast. I really can't. Yeah, Factor Fiction is not a card we've been seeing in Modern lately, but oh. being able to untap your lands at end of turn and then Factor Fiction oh, on your yeah. opponent's turn while you have Cryptic up <clears throat> is pretty nasty. And they've got the Force of Negations to protect themselves. They also get access to Lightning Bolt here that they and Remand that they don't have in, in Pioneer. And they get Snapcaster shenanigans, and they run get to run Renin 6, so... Solid upgrades for the build, and I'm very curious to see if we're going to see more of this moving forward. Yeah, Archmage's Charm is on the uh, the movers list too, and uh, that's one that I am feeling a little annoyed I don't have more of in stock. You know, just it's only got the one printing, and the triple blue is not the big turnoff that I would have expected. You know, this deck has um, how many? Just one Triome, but it's got a full suite of. Uh, Fetches, two Field of the Dead, and a three-color deck. Get some, Ren and Six. Yeah, I remember when we had Dan Daniel Fournier on, uh, Pro Tour player, uh, talking about uh, Modern Horizons cards last summer. We were trying to figure out if Archmage's Charm or Cryptic Command... Uh, sorry, if Archmage's Charm would be welcome in decks that could just run Cryptic Command. He seemed to think that you would go the full four Cryptics before you would add a Charm, but in this build you see three Cryptics and one Archmage's Charm. Uh, and we've seen uh, similar patterns in other decks that are running blue. Like, this isn't the only list this week that was running Archmage's Charm. You also saw it in the 
uh, Bant Snow List in third place, and two copies in the Blue White Control List in, in second. So Charm has earned its keep. Um, looks like most of these decks do not go to the fourth cryptic when they can get access to Charm. Yep. Uh, let's see. Was that it for that one? Uh, yep. And then um, over in Pioneer, we had a, a showcase challenge that was uh, yesterday, the 20th. We had two inverter decks and uh, three Lotus Field combo decks, you know, running Underworld Breach and all the assorted untap effects. You're going to Fae of Wishes for combo pieces. You're going to turn your Thespian stage into a Lotus Field. There's all sorts of good things there. Um, you have your uh, one Niv-Mizzet Reborn value deck, which uh, just makes me all kinds of happy for Sylvian Caryatid which uh, if you forgot how good that card is, it's it's pretty spectacular, being that you know your mana dork isn't going to get killed. Um, and then what was the one that made me blush with desire was the spirits list. Here's the thing about this Pioneer Showcase Challenge. This is all the same decks, pretty much making up the same top eight as last week. And I think at this point we need to start running this the Pioneer results on Magic Online through the filter of there are only 32 people playing the format and they have their decks. So we're not seeing a lot of format evolution. There's nothing really, no impetus to push people towards this format right now because they're uh, on Magic Online, if you have a deep collection, you can opt to draft, play modern, or you can do like vintage draft. Uh, recently play modern or play legacy so pioneer doesn't isn't getting a really a lot of support and as such seems to be kind of locked into a pretty specific meta so i'm, I'm taking all of this with a grain of salt at this point and it's almost like pioneer is on pause for all intents and purposes in paper i mean literally but also uh in terms of it the likelihood that it will react to the magic online meta given where things stand i'm with that um you know, a lot of things, Pioneer was, you know, it caused all the buzz at the end of last year. And now, you know, with paper being not really a thing, uh, we putting it on pause seems like a good way to phrase the, uh, the way that it's gone down. So here's the thing. In that Niv-Mizzet list that finished second, do you want to flag that it runs one, two... Four Triomes total. Two Zagoth, one Savai, and one Indatha. Um, really liking the Showcase Triomes, even if they only showed up in EDH. So any play, as we have already seen in Top 8s for both Pioneer and Modern, only makes those cards better. I get the impression that uh, Brad Pitkeeper, the person who played this list, uh, did a lot of math to arrive at these numbers. The only thing that's a four of in their mana base is the Fabled Passage, and even that's for you know, one of each basic land. You know, you got one triome here, one triome there, no more than two of any particular shock land, a couple of buddy lands, uh, you know, and then uh, two mana confluence just to smooth over the cracks. And it, and it looks like some of the reasoning behind triomes could be related to, again to Uro, because Uro giving you those extra land drops. Um, sometimes you don't mind if the land comes in tapped because it might be it might only be give 
possible for it to give you one extra mana that turn and that just may not be useful to you or the cycling i mean it's it's both when you're flooded it's just like oh let's redo that it's three mana sure but i mean when your land is that flexible that's pretty outstanding all right so let's move right along to segment two here we're going to take a look at our top paper movers of the week top of that list we've got shark typhoon out of uh Ikoria moving from six to eight bucks. It's only two dollar move, thirty three percent gains, but it's on the back of foils already moving and extended art foils moving. Um, we called those on cast a couple weeks ago. E- easily one of the best multi format staples to come out of that set. The set has pretty low overall EV, so Shark Typhoon could absorb even more value um, on the go forward here, especially so long as standard doesn't convene in favor. Yeah. Um... It's got at least a year left in standard. Um, it's really, you know, good in the early and it's good late. You know, what What else can you say? It's also an EDH card, so it's resistant to not seeing paper play at the moment. Um, now, one of the, there's a couple of major themes that, I, that we noticed uh, all the way through this week's Top Movers. Clearly a whole bunch of reserve list targeting going on. And we'll talk about uh, the huge pile of 7th edition foils that were showing movement this week. So one of the first re- reserve list cards flagged is a Lurin out of Tempest. This card is a combo card, uh, mostly for legacy purposes. And it's gone up and down and up and down a whole bunch of times um, over the last five years. This week, supposedly 45 to 70. Um, I would argue that this is reserve list targeting. Uh, with the backdrop of reduced buy list activity, making all of this a lot easier. Yeah, um, there's never a bad time to pick up most reserve list cards, and uh, in this case, Alurin does have that combo... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, The combo appeal, whether it's Commander or Legacy. There's a lot of really busted things you can do with this particular card. Agreed. Next reserve list card on the list, Tombstone Stairwell out of Mirage. Largely unplayed, going from 9 to 15, clearly targeted as just being part of the reserve list list. Um, and these, some of these cards that are 20, 25 years old, they're just so hard to come in on, so rare to come in on buy lists um, via collection sales and so forth, just in the best of times, let alone where we're at now. Yeah, if you see uh, a spike in something like Vengeful Dead or Noxious Ghoul, then you'll know that the Tombstone Stairwell is for real because you get a whole bunch of zombies and then all the zombies go away. And so if you see uh, zombie cards starting to go crazy, then you'll know this was real. Otherwise, you're exactly right. Just file it under. Somebody decided they were going to move in on a bunch of reserve list cards. So next on this list, we've got Blood Chief Ascension and a Zendikar. Foils from 30 to 50. Uh, I've got some of those I picked up closer to 10, so I would love to unload them before it catches a reprint here. It's in 6700 EDH Rectex or so, uh, works with all sorts of life gain strategies, vampire strategies. And we are heading into Zendikar 3, so expect more vampires and more life drain stuff. Yep. Um, this combos with some artifact that I forget the name of. Once somebody loses life, uh, then they're instantly dead. You just mill through their deck and they lose out. Um Somebody will remind me of what that artifact is. But th- these are foils from 11 years ago. Yeah, Zendikar was 2000 and... That's wild. Yeah, Zendikar was 2010... No. 
Yeah, 2010. 2010. It was right after M10. I think that the main impetus on Blood Chief Ascension this month, though, is Vito. Yeah. V- oh, <laughs> that's hot. That's hot. Yeah, Vito is just amazing. Now that you can have your enchantment on the commander stick, and when you're ready, you just play him and do the thing. It's definitely a tricky spec, because he gets a printing in that uh, ancillary product as well, and he shows up in Jumpstart, I believe. Uh, I don't think Jumpstart is going to make a difference at all this year. But that's a that's a topic for another day. It is only a rare. So there are only... Um, you know, it wasn't that rare to begin with, because rares are not that rare. Three products all at once carrying the same card makes me definitely want to focus on the EA foils above all else. True enough. True enough. Uh, next on the list, we have Necropotence. Foils out of um, Iconic Masters have about doubled up from 28 to 50. Uh, Necropotence is an incredibly popular card in Commander, and this is the only foil except for like the Battle Box foil or something, right? Yeah, uh, it's from Dual Masters. I have one up for sale right now. Yeah, some random random thing, but it's sweet, sweet old border foil. That's the important detail. That looks hot. I like that. All right, then we have uh, Kwasali Slingers out of Commander 2017. Whenever cats come into play, you get to disenchant something. So this is relevant for Ren and Siri as well. So we see the card go from 225 to $5, 100% plus gains. Then we have another reserve list card, Lady Evangela. This is played pretty much nowhere. Uh, so it's basically being targeted just because it's on the reserve list and it's from Legends and it was only ever printed the one time. Going from 30 to 70, I think you'd be lucky to get 50 or 60, but the more times these old cards get targeted, the harder it is for them to replenish. So they they will hold higher plateaus under pressure. Also, she is a cleric, and she is in the Esper colors, so which has most of the clerics, and it's just pretty sweet to do that. I used to have I had a Lady Evangelic cleric deck at one point, and it was terrible. Yeah, there, there can't be. First of all, the the number of players that are old enough to even know this card exists <laughs> ha- has to be pretty low at this point i'm gonna shake my walker um, at you sir it's only registered in 18 decks on edh rack and that could easily be misclicks so <laughs> we're gonna rack this one up to reserve list true enough true enough decimate foils out of odyssey i just sold one of these just over 20 so i can tell you this one's real Foil um, is going from 10 to 25. It's in 14,000 EDH rec decks. It got a reprint in either Conspiracy or Conspiracy 2. Can't remember which. Uh, but the Odyssey foils are really nice and really hard to come by because that's 15 years ago or whatever. Notion Thief out of M25. Second printing for that card. Foils uh, going from 7 to $25. 13,000 EDH rec decks. Very, very nice to be drawing cards when your opponent would. Um, and then Gorgon's Head at a Born of the Gods foils from two to eight dollars. It's only in two thousand registered EDH decks. So I'm not sure why giving something Death Touch was suddenly on people's agenda, um, but it is useful in especially like detuned EDH decks. Yeah, uh, Gorgon's Head, uh, not a uh, Gorgon's Flail had a similar bump this week. Uh, not quite as huge, but uh, there's been a real premium on giving stuff Death Touch. So uh, something that pings 
was probably um, among the, the top builds this week. Or was featured someplace. Alright. And then um, we've had a whole bunch of foils from 7th edition that have gained, you know, in the hundreds to thousands of percents. Um, the commons and uncommons. Really, it's just people who are um, speculating <coughs> excuse me speculating hard on this the first uh, foil corset and uh, the people who are hoping that their foil set will become more valuable but really uh, 7th edition foils if you find some laying around your place just be patient until they have their time in the sun well I mean the, the time in the sun is ongoing the targeting is persistent they show up some seventh edition foils shows up on the list pretty much every week, so I definitely holds. And you know, if you have a pile of them or you collected seventh foils, you will get your exit. You just need to pick your time and place. Switching on over to segment two, top Magic online movers. We've got Manascape Refractor of Commander uh, 2020, going from four to seven twenty. I believe this only comes in treasure chests. And a lot of these cards I've seen movement as a result because the drop rates aren't especially high. Um, Shark Typhoon, we talked about in paper as well. And in online, went from 5 to 8.24. That makes sense because it's sucking up EV from the rest of Ikoria, a lot of which is not seeing play. Mindbreak Trap out of Zendikar, going from 4.50 to 7.50 or so, 63% gains. Uh, not sure what's driving that one, but I suspect that there's some rogue deck running around or something Saffron played this week. Uh, that's the that's the mill trap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I th I didn't see it in either of the um, the uh, stormy entity decks that I looked at, so I'm not sure what it is either. All right. What's next on the list? Next up, we have Archmage's Charm, as we mentioned. Uh, climbed about two bucks, a so fifty percent gain. Um, it's being played more in. Uh, sorted control lists alongside Cryptic. Uh, I imagine it's probably used as the as a combination divination or um, cancel at instant speed and just needs that triple blue. But, you know, sometimes you're going to steal somebody's death shadow in order to kill it, and that seems like a completely useful thing to do as well. Uh, next up, then we have Gutshot, the uh, Modern Masters 2, uh, which was 2015. Um, it's gone from about two dollars to about three and a quarter, uh, seventy-five percent gain, and uh, that's with the new Delver list, the new Prowess lists. Uh, you got shot, anybody, even them, and then you get to play your Stormwing entity for the cheap cost, which is pretty outstanding. And that's why Stormwing entity is the big winner this week. Has gone from about two dollars forty to nearly six. And the, both the original M21 and its promo version have had a significant gain. And it looks like this deck is real. Uh, we'll see if it continues to put up results week over week. Yeah, it makes sense that the gut shot would be a reaction to trying to shut off Delver before it gets rolling. And Stormwing Entity, you know, I flagged it last week, so clearly I'm a believer. Clearly. Speaking of things you believe in, let's uh, go over to our picks this week. Um... You start us off with uh, either of the, these pieces of hotness. So as I was pulling this together, I realized that in our $100,000 group buy on singles from 
the last 12 months or so that was offered to the pro traders this afternoon and was turned into a ridiculous feeding frenzy. Um, <laughs> there were 17 copies lying around of Foil Underworld World Breach EA. And I suspect that maybe at first glance, people glazed past, like brushed past these because they think, well, maybe Breach Combo is going to catch a ban in, in Pioneer and this won't be in such high demand. But the reality is this thing's already registered in 6,500 EDH rec decks and Underworld Breach is not going to get banned in EDH. So the extended art foils, even if they were an EDH only card with that kind of pedigree, would already be a target. Given that they are already in Pioneer, may or may not stay there, and probably will eventually make their way into modern. I, I mean, the card is a Yawgmoth's will, after all. Yep. It will find a way. Um, it's not going to take that long for the extended art foils to drain out of the market. There are 30 or 40 listings on TCG um, on a pretty steep ramp. Most vendors around the world have relatively shallow supply. Theros, uh, Beyond Death, uh, Collector Boosters were... Probably the highest print run, but I don't have that. You know, I can't guarantee that um, just because of how many of them seem to be still floating around in the distribution pipeline compared to, say, Ikoria and the current price uh, on the collector booster boxes as well is a bit of an indicator. Bottom line, if you can get these in North America around 25, 24, 25, 26, I think you can probably plan to exit on a playset at around 40 a piece and do pretty well within, say, 12 months maybe 18 yeah yeah i mean i didn't know this many people were comboing off in commander and it just reassures me that uh whoever i'm playing with i'm, I'm making good choices that way but like you said it's it's really easy to combo off with this and it's in a color that you you might not expect it out of somebody so this seems like rock solid um it doesn't it's been banned almost everywhere and, well, you know, if, if it's not banned in Pioneer within the next year, I'll be surprised. But, you know, if you've got the, the commander demand for it, then I think you're you're set to go. I don't think Underworld Breach is banned anywhere, is it? Just in Legacy. Is it only Legacy so far? It I just, think it's just in Legacy. It feels like it's been banned everywhere. Nope. All right. Just Legacy. You're right. Even better, then. Party on. So, yeah. I, I feel solidly about this one and especially the 17 dollar copies that were on offer in our group buy that was just ridiculous that's that's pretty ridiculous i'm with you um, 17 to say 30 is a lot easier than 26 to 40 neither is unreasonable though mm -hmm. my first pick this week um has to do we were talking about the secret layers a little bit ago um the stained glass nissas which are apparently the only one in the godzilla lands um, I've been waiting for these to become cheap, and uh, the, they do not seem to be going much under 15. You might get lucky and find a 13 or a 14 on TCG or eBay, but uh, this seems like a lot to double up sometime in the next 12 to 18 months. This is um, the most, um, un this is the, the sweetest English version you can get. I mean, I, I grant you that the, the Japanese alternate art is phenomenal. But there's a, a, a lot of demand for the assorted uh, stained glass. And this version being this price uh, is just crying out to be uh, picked up at absurdly low numbers in order to be moved on when they have grown to a much more reasonable number. 
I'm iffy on this one. Not because the card's not awesome and stained glass is going to be in demand and EDH gives us a permanent home. But because it was the only walker in this this secret layer. So there, in theory, should be thousands and thousands of these sitting around. Currently on TCG Player, we're only looking at 81 results, which is relatively deep. And I just want to see whether that number builds or starts to drain. I would rather wait for this to get to 40 results and buy it at 13 or 14 than jump in at 13 and see it drop to 9. I mean, I've been watching it um, for a couple weeks now since we've started finding out. And there is some risk of the uh, greater supply coming in down the line. Some of the Godzilla uh, secret layers have been delayed. But nonetheless, like, I, it hasn't moved much. And I we were talking about this before. People are just hanging on to their copies because almost everyone would order a secret layer has a green commander deck. And this is going to kick a lot of butt in your green commander deck. So I think a lot of copies are not entering circulation. I would love for this to be cheaper. Uh, I just, I, it hasn't, hasn't shown any signs of getting cheaper. I haven't seen any lasting uh, stock at 13 or 14, which would be an indicator that it's going to go down. If they all of a sudden deliver 5,000 secret layers and all of a sudden there's 5,000 on the market, I would probably re-up my investment at 9 or $10 and continue to be patient. Yeah, you could work a curve here, and, and it might go in either direction. I, I think my choice here would be to be patient. Uh, if I start to see it get targeted, if I see 20 or 30 copies evaporate in a day or two, then that's a different story. But I want to see all the Godzilla's land, let the market shake itself out a little bit, and then see where we stand. It doesn't see, with so much going on, like we're now into double masters on into zendikar 3 i think marrow's doing a presentation in four or five days on zendikar 3 <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of distraction um i like nissa I, I i fear you, you you put it as a confidence level 10 i'm definitely not a 10 on it i i think i'm a seven on this one and I think it's definitely, it's worth us checking back in on it closer to Christmas and see where we've landed. Sure. Sure. Uh, all right. So I've got uh, a couple of weeks ago, we called uh, Zhang Yu uh, for, from War of the Spark as a foil alternate art Japanese planeswalker that seemed underpriced given its modest EDH play and... The fact that even the uncommon Japanese alt art planeswalkers, I think I've calculated there's probably less than 12,000 of them in the entire world. Um, so significantly less than the Power 9. Never mind you and Mono, which is less than 4,000 copies. And some one of our members reported today that a fifteen sub-$15 copy that they bought uh, after we talked about it, they sold for 60 on TCG Player today. So that one worked out just fine. Stands to reason, then, that Kazmina, an enigmatic mentor, might also be worth a look, given that this is probably better than the 3,500 EDH rec uh, listings gives it credit for. This card taxes opponents that want to target your creatures or planeswalkers. So I run one and it tracks the planeswalkers and don't ever see it dropping that slot. 
because it also loots and makes 2-2 blue wizards. There's a lot of different reasons you might want some combination of those effects. And being able to get this for about $15 in North America right now, and it's already drying up, and sub $12 copies in, on Magic Card Market, where I picked up, I think, eight copies for about ten fifty or so earlier this afternoon. I don't see how this doesn't also become a 20 to $30 minimum that has the potential to sell for 50 or 60 down the road. Yeah, um, I, I think it's impossible to argue against any of the foil Japanese walkers. Um, this one is still reasonably priced. I don't think it'll be that way for long. Um, all of them are uncommon. You know, there's no common planeswalkers yet, but even the lowest of the low, uh, I am sure that it will be... Who would the, who would the worst be? Teo? Teo's got to be the worst. Um, you know, he's going to have his day in the sun and crank it up, and pretty soon none of these will be available anywhere under 50 for any version of any foil version. Uh, the non-foils would probably then be next on the list, but that'll take a lot longer to drain out. Yeah, I wouldn't be chasing the... Somebody was asking on Discord earlier today, like, should we be chasing the non-foil versions now? There is a lot more of those. But keep in mind that there is... They are essentially um, twice as rare as rares because the slot that they come in is 50-50. It's always a Planeswalker slot except for the foils, which replace a common. And 18 packs out of a 36-pack box will be the alt arts. So they are more rare than rare. And they're also only present in the Japanese packs. So that actually makes them, the, the rares, basically more mythic than mythic, right? <laughs> I like that. So yes, we, we have called various ones in the past, Teferi, Karn, uh, I would suspect Ashiok and Narset will probably end up uh, on a list in a in a forthcoming cast because some of them those aforementioned walkers are not just part of the collectible that these walkers define they are in fact playable cards and cards that people play often enough that they may not need to be able to read them easily uh, because they've memorized what they do so not quite in a position where i'm I'm dying to run after the non-foils, but I'm certainly not rushing to sell a lot of those top non-foils either. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not selling any of it. All right. So what's your next pick? Uh, my other pick this week, uh, speaking of Narset and War of the Spark, um, Narset's Reversal, the two blue instant out of War of the Spark at Rare. Uh, foils can be had for around $10, and it ramps really quickly up to $20 on TCG. Um, the total amount of copies are under 100. It's in 20,000 commander decks online. And uh, I think it's... Uh, I'm getting a real bad deja vu here. Did I pick this in a previous week? I, I want to say that this has definitely been picked in the last year. Uh, but that doesn't make it wrong. So bot bottom line, how many copies are left lying around? Uh, not a lot. Uh, like I said, there's only 36 vendors and under 100 copies uh, total. That includes, uh, these are the foils, so that includes the not near mint foils. Usually I don't mess around with not NM foils, but in this case I wanted to be thorough. 
And uh, yeah, I just think that if this many people are playing this card, this is right before we went into collector boosters, right before they goosed the foil drop rate. Um, plus, it's an incredibly sweet thing to do in a commander game. No matter what ridiculous spell they're doing, you're going to get your ridiculous version first. And uh, I, I just think it's uh, a real solid pickup. And uh, given the, the ramp uh, into the $20 range on TCG, uh, it's not about 100 copies. It's about, you know, 30 copies before you get to the $20 range. I'm pretty sure that this was picked earlier. It was flagged because the car is just a, a super staple. It's not quite a Cyclonic Rift, but it's very, very good in EDH. So, I mean, if Cyclonic Rift is a 10, this is an 8.5 or a, or a 9. Almost any blue deck can find room for it um, because it doesn't necessarily need to require that you're playing an instant and sorcery-focused deck. There's just going to be a lot of those flying around that you might want to temporarily counter and copy for effect. So it's also within the first year of release, so a reprint is very unlikely here. So I, I like it overall, and if you can get copies of 10, 20 seems like a very solid exit point. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. What's your uh, last pick this week? My last pick this week is a card out of Core 21. I'm uh, talking about the Mythic Terror of the Peaks. Terror of the Peaks uh, was probably under people's radar, uh, a little under the radar for a lot of people, because it is cool looking, but doesn't really scream out overpowered the thing is in commander this effect is very very useful and i get a perforose kind of vibe off this card where it's just going to slot into a ton of red decks and do work from a bunch of different angles like whether you're working with tokens or you just have a beefy strategy going on the, the fact that this thing deals damage to any target equal to the power of creatures that come into play under your control lets you really go to town if you get rolling and punishes people that target it it's a 5-4 flying threat by itself um, and as a summer mythic it's going to drain out faster than it normally would so when we're looking at the normal copies here they've been pretty resistant to drop below ten dollars you can get copies in between 10 and 12 and i think planning on getting out of them a year later at about 20 plus is probably pretty reasonable it's in 10 percent of all red decks that have been reported since uh, its release on the EDH rec. It's a unique effect. And I think you can also look at the uh, foil extended arts here, if you like those better, or if you're picking one up for personal use, you can get them a little under 40, somewhere around 38. And I have little doubt that those are gonna end up being 60 or $70 cards uh, a year or two down the road, just because there won't be any copies lying around. Um, once they get eaten up, it's gonna be the kind of thing that doesn't recirculate in the market very often. I agree with you on all points, and I would add one more thing, that um, it being a dragon is quite relevant, because this is a incredibly busted-ass dragon. Um, if you have not had the pleasure of playing with um, the different versions of this effect, uh, Pandemonium uh, is the original. I don't remember what the name of the more expensive one is. Um, we're going to get Kalia released in Double Masters soon. And we may see a pickup in people wanting to play Busted Ass Dragons. This is high on that list. So um, I'm, I'm all for this. In fact, I still need to get a foil extended art for my dragon deck. Um, 
and I'm upset that I haven't gotten it before because I think when I was looking at them before, the foils, uh, the foil extended arts were in the low 30s, and now I'm hearing that they're at 40. So when we're done with this cast tonight, I need to go make some purchases. The Calais of the Vast showcase art that's been revealed, that's going to be box topper in the regular boxes and foil in the VIP packs, is stunning. And folks need to remember that Calia, when Calia attacks, you get to put an angel, demon, or dragon into play from your hand, tapped and attacking. So if it's Terror of the Peaks, you're attacking with a 5-4. Okay, that's cool. The next time you get to do that, or you're using sneak attack or something else from your deck that it, that is that you're built around, you start getting the the effect as that new thing hits the table, and you're getting its power translated into damage via the terror of the peak. So it can get real nasty real fast. Yes, yes, it can. It will. It will. All right. Spe- speaking of double masters, let's move on into our topic of the week. Double Masters previews. Folks seem a little upset about this amazing set, and that is kind of funny. <laughs> what do I want to ask you? Why it's funny? Because you know it's pretty amusing. Uh, L- what... Listen, we, we we've been this game is almost thirty years old. It's never gonna change. It's only gonna get more itself. <laughs> there there's nothing in the economics of this game or the way that it is being received by the market that is going to push wizards of the coast and their masters at hasbro in the other direction there's a pretty legitimate um sentiment amongst players that runs something like this is a fantastic game we just want to play and love this game just make it cheap enough so that we can pretty much play it any which way we want and you'll have us for life. It is essentially asking that Wizards of the Coast publish a living card game, not a collectible card game. And it's a valid request in the sense that in a perfect world without capitalism, all games would be these kinds of games. But that's never going to happen. The only way it can happen in any realistic way is for players to do what I've said a ton of times, take control of the game. Start making the sets yourselves. There's more than enough talent and experience in the community to do that. Make fan-generated sets in PDF form that people can print out, cut up, put into sleeves, etc. You could produce this game yourselves. Especially given how mismanaged um, the power creep has been, I have every confidence that the top you know, 500 smartest people in the community could build as good or better of a magic set. Yeah, the opportunity is there. People can do that. You can stop giving money to the man and still play this game. Totally doable. But if you don't want to take that burden on (laughs) and you're just going to, and you don't have the time, energy, or interest, then understand that this game is never going to be any different. They're... They, they need to get signals from wallets to change their approach. And they're getting the opposite. They're in the middle of COVID. When this all kicked off, Travis was very uh, worried about where magic was going to be, you know, three months later. And as hard as it has been for 
stores, the community, etc. The game's in much better shape than we expected it to be. And what that is highlighting is that the folks that have not been financially affected are major, major contributors to the economic health of the game. Those people have been buying cards at record pace. I just had my second best singles sales month ever. And that money flows into me and then flows back into the community, buying more cards, buying more boxes, reinvesting, etc. The money is churning and flowing. Now, can that last forever? No. Somebody was talking to me on Twitter this week about, you know, okay, sure, everything's good now, but what's it going to look like in three months, six months, nine months? Answer is, I have no idea. If COVID had been well managed in the US, I would feel much more upbeat. <laughs> as things stand, as things stand, your country has managed this crisis so poorly, so unbelievably poorly, that, yeah, <laughs> lots of businesses and brands could be in jeopardy that rely on people being able to meet face to face. And it's not 100% clear how resistant magic would be on a one to two year horizon as opposed to a six month, three to six month horizon. So yeah, those, those threats are real. But none of that's going to change the fact that it, VIP boosters for double masters are probably going to sell just fine. And boxes are going to sell just fine, like every other master set has been, despite people criticizing it. Even iconic masters, um, which might have been their greatest failure, still eventually coughed up a pretty solid EV if you bought boxes at their low. And overall, the shift into premium product has been very, very successful for Wizards. So the best thing you can do as a Magic player if you, if you want to fight the good fight against premium is don't buy any. <laughs> if you buy premium products, you're sending the wrong signal. If you stay away from them, you, you have a shot, but the reality is the upper end of the market is still going to eat up enough of it that it, they're still going to sell it to us. Yes, this is going to sell, and it is going to sell well. Um, it's already, you know, um, going. they're getting ready to, to give us a whole lot of goodness in these packs, but what has really bothered me about this is people getting mad that um, the VIP packs will have foil versions of some of these cards in particular um, and that's really I'm, help, let me think I don't want to call people dumb I want to say that they're not realizing that the that only the VIP boosters will have the foil versions so that Yes, it's Expedition Map, but this is the sweetest possible version of Expedition Map. Yes, it's an Urzatron land, but this is the only place to get the foil Urzatron land. Um, I, I don't, I don't get it. I just, I just don't understand why people haven't bothered to hear that about this, and it, it. It bothers me greatly that so many people are having these garbage takes without saying, oh, this is the only place you can get this foil is in a $100 pack. Great, you'll have two $40 foils before you get to the other 28 cards in the pack. 
So. Yeah, my previous arguments were specific, were generalized around premium product and its future in Magic the Gathering. Yes. Now let's get into the specific formulation of VIP packs and why they are very solid value. They are not going to double you up overnight on average. Far from it because of the way the economic, the, the, for, the simple formulation of the pack means that they are probably plus minus 10 to 20% in any amount of volume. Um as makes sense. That's the sim- similar to what we see with collector boosters. Um, it's what we've seen in many cases with um, other premium products that they've put out, Mythic Editions and so forth. But you also don't need to buy these. You, you don't need to buy Double Masters. A lot of the cards in these sets are available in other booster packs, or you can buy them as singles. A lot of them didn't even necessarily need a reprint. The ones that did are going to come down in price here. And... I think a big part of the problem here is Wizards choosing a formulation that they didn't communicate super effectively on. If we look at this, that whole thing with Expedition Map, where they marked it as rare, whereas in the set it's, what, a common or an uncommon? Common. Yeah. People were like, you said it was all rares and mythics and VIP and blah, blah, blah. But the same people that are complaining are not the ones that pre-ordered VIP packs, because... That's pro traders, and <laughs> pro traders are not complaining about that card being in there. That's a completely reasonable card to be in there because, as you said, the masterpiece version of that card is only in the VIP packs. And if that's what holds down the bottom half of the 40 cards that are possible in the VIP packs, so be it. Because in things like Ultimate Masters, you had, like, what, Stirring Wildwood or something? I'll take an Expedition Map over that all day long, because Expedition Map is played in a deck that constantly top eights in Modern. It's useful in EDH, and it's needed as a four of, in many cases. So, in some ways, it has advantages over things like Kalia and Atraxa and Brea that are all catching showcase versions here, because at best, you probably want one copy of those. But Expedition Map, people might buy them in fours. So that helps a lot. They they could easily be cheap out of the gate in Europe and get real expensive down the road. Like they could be plus 30, 40, 50% within a year. But let's go, let's just, instead of talking about that specific card, let's look at the formulation of the VIP edition sum total. So you do get two foil box toppers. And honestly, if that's all they contained, they would still be <laughs> a very reasonable price point. They are retail about $100 a pack, but in practice, if you're paying attention to your options online or you're uh, getting in on, you know, pro trader group buys, we're getting them at about $340 a box or so. So that's about $85 a pack and vendor cost is about $75. So for them to buy something at $75 and sell it at $85 is not a whole lot different than when they sell a booster box. Yes, this is the cost of a booster box for a single pack, but it's they're basically selling you masterpieces in booster packs now. What did you want that to cost? <laughs> like, <laughs> those aren't going to be $5 or $10 packs. They're testing if they can sell them to you directly. That's fine, because it, the alternative was that in something like Kaladesh, you get one of those every three boxes. So you had to commit to $240 worth of cards in a set whose EV is ish, 
and probably going to get it worse because a lot of the cards, as you and I were talking about off cast from that set in particular, are probably due for a reprint soonish and will get pushed even lower. Things like Aetherflux Reservoir already caught its reprint this year in Mystery Boosters. Um, Panharmonicon could be end up in Double Masters. The Land Cycle from that set could get a reprint uh, in support of Pioneer. And beyond that, those boxes are you know don't have a lot of value in them, but they're going for almost two hundred bucks. So when you look at the average price of something like a Ultimate Masters box topper, which is currently at about $58 a piece, if these end up being similar, and I think they'll actually be better because some of this art is truly fantastic. Um, And I think that it's going to be a tighter, more curated list. If it holds even 50 per and you get these for 85 a pack, everything else in the packs is free. Now, you can still get blown out. Like, I I don't know what the card is going to be, whether it's going to be Expedition Map or something else, but you could get a pack with two $30 ones in it and be like, I'm down 20 or 25 on these two cards. But the reality is you'll probably make up at least part of that difference, even on the downside, with the other stuff in here because these packs only have foils in them. So, and there's two other slots beyond the two foil box toppers, and they are rare mythic slots. So that could be, people need to realize in these packs, you could get the dream pack is something like foil mana, foil box topper mana crypt and foil box topper Jace the Mind Sculptor, and then foil mana crypt and foil Jace the Mind Sculptor. Somebody's going to open a pack here that's worth six or $700. Yep. It's, it's magical Christmas land, but it is out there, and that's priced in, that, that, that these can be completely ridiculous, and that the downside, I would guess the, the least amount of money you could open in one of these packs would be something like 40 or 50 bucks. And if you pay 85 and get 50 bucks worth of value, that's kind of average for a trading card game. Normally, when you're cracking normal sealed, you tend to lose money in the short term. For a long, long time, cracking boxes was known to be only be profitable like into the first couple weeks, like into pre-order season, and mostly for vendors. And to get really get your money back out of the box, you had to wait a while. In the era of lessened reprints, like ten years ago, if you had a box from five years ago, you were, and you paid ninety to a hundred dollars for it, you probably get your you know double your value on that eventually as the card started to rise and didn't catch a reprint. These days, the fact that you could get minor downside, but the upside could be times two, times three, times four, that's really, really solid. And there's also eight foil uncommons and nine foil commons. Those will be basically worthless coming out of these packs, but they'll probably contain a whole bunch of stuff that you want. I think like Path to Exile and Expedition Map and whatever else, there's going to be lots of good cards. Ten full art basic lands. Now, there's some complications here because it includes some Noah Bradley cards. (laughs) but and two foil full art basic lands that are only in the vip edition the full art basic lands and the foil full art basics are only vip so even if you value those lands at say five dollars for the foils and a dollar for the non-basics that's covering twenty dollars in value by itself the foil tokens which are double-sided tend to be worth a dollar to three dollars out of all the sets that we've seen in the last year or so so you're probably going to get another two two to four dollars worth of value out of those so some total i i don't think you need to get more than forty dollars average 
on these foil box toppers to make out fine. So I think that the $100 booster pack, the feel bad from that is a visceral thing that's more tied to people people that are that are held down by COVID. And there's lots of those people being like, you know, fuck you for putting out this thing that sounds really cool and I wish I could buy, but I'm, you know, having trouble paying my rent this month. So I'm going to be stuck watching all these people on YouTube bragging about how they opened VIP packs while I'm kind of forced to be on the sidelines. And I understand that that sentiment, but, but what solution is there? Like, are you going to suggest that premium products cannot exist in a marketplace? Like, this, this is what is keeping this brand afloat. Yeah, that's what I was going to if, say. If, if, if these products were not out there and the architects, lawyers, doctors, you know, first responders, the, the people whose, whose jobs were in industries where, you know, they were never interrupted and their cash flow has been constant, weren't out there buying product, buy, buying singles, building ADH decks, this game would be in real, real trouble. If this game was a living card game and was targeted, you know, for people to spend less than $100 a year, they'd be in real trouble right now. As many, you know, like the Transformers TCG, which Hasbro owns, was just announced that it's being shut down the other day because it doesn't, it's not a game that had anywhere near a mature enough player base that they could keep it together if they couldn't get people playing it at LGSs. So the, the fact that this is a legacy brand with a 30-year history is a big part about why it's still going to exist on the other side of COVID. And that should not be taken for granted. Yeah, um, I think that if you, one of the things that, that always bothers me is when people um, take a reprint set and get pissed off. Because the whole point of this set is to make the game more accessible. Maybe you can't get the specific edition of the card that you want, but the more copies of a card that are out there in any art is good for the prices overall. The prices will come down on regular versions of Blightsteel Colossus and Jace the Mind Sculptor and all of these things. It's going to be more accessible. You'll get more people with these cards in hand, even with uh, the COVID situation. As you said earlier, uh, here in the U.S., we're mangling it pretty badly. And, you know, you have a right to wit to be upset that you don't have a crack at this because um, your store is shut down while in other parts of the world uh, stores are opening back up. And stores are able to get back to in-person play. And we are dumb. We are thoughtless. We are lacking in an effective national plan to manage this. But just keep in mind that if you can't afford the original, the, the box topper goodness, that doesn't mean that the card is inaccessible. It means this particular extra collectible version is not accessible to you this is the equivalent of you getting mad that you don't have um an oscar meyer wienermobile for your car there's only a few hundred of those you have a car that works just fine do you have this specific car that you wish you had no 
but that's okay. You're still getting around. You're still getting what you need. And in this context, I feel it's important to keep in mind that this is an entirely reprint set. There are no new cards coming out here. If you don't want to spend the money on a pack, you said it earlier, don't spend the money on a pack. You want to buy a couple of specific singles when the price is crater? Great. Do that. That is exactly what this set is for. But don't get... Do not start crazy rants about how you don't want to open a common as your uh, foil box topper in your $100 pack because you're oversimplifying it and you're cutting into the profit margins at Wizards, which is really the main thing we all need to be concerned about. Because like you said, the more of this that Wizards sells, the more likely they are to stay in business. The secret the secret layers and everything are keeping them are just an, a direct money flow into them without doing the secondary market. Sure. I mean, let me walk back what I said a little bit. <laughs> I don't think that the magic community needs to be sitting around wringing their hands over whether or not Wizards and Hasbro make enough money. They're going to be fine. They are very well funded. They're publicly traded. They're not going anywhere. If magic is diminished, a lot of other brands are going to be in similar trouble. If the ma- if the if you know the disruption from COVID contracts the economy overall, for a couple of years, the everybody's in trouble. And everybody will, and this will be one of the brands that will be well poised to recover on the other side. Because unlike something like, you know, the year eight of the Transformers in 1992 or whatever, where they took it off the market completely because the trend was just dead. Just kids stopped caring about that toy. Magic has a very strong long-term interested base that will ride it out and revisit the brand down the road. They will be capable of rebuilding. So we don't, it's not like it's our duty to go out and buy hundred dollar packs for these guys. I'm just saying that somebody needs to go buy product from this company to keep the wheels turning. doesn't have to be you. You can let somebody else do it who's got plenty of disposable income. Right. They will fulfill a function for you, whether you understand it or not, to allow them to still keep printing lots of other play experiences and products that are at cheaper price points. People tend to forget booster boxes, booster packs have been very resistant to inflation. I was basically paying $350 to $4 a pack for these 20 years ago, and we're still paying that price today. And it's not materials and the overall economy have experienced significant inflation in that in that generation that Wizards has absorbed and then redistributed through the pursuit of more expensive products. But they still have $4 booster packs. They still have $100 booster boxes. They still have a bunch of ancillary products that are in the anywhere from $10 to $100 range. This is not a game that says you have to be rich to play it. This is a game that says... You have to have a significant amount of disposable income if you want to keep up with everything we release, which is a very different situation than if chess was only available if you had a $100 gold coin per play. So that's all worth keeping in mind. But 
more to the point, this this set has some unique features that I don't think, formulation features that I don't think people have wrapped their heads around even outside of the VIP boosters. It's a 332 card set. So it repeats some of the themes we've seen from earlier this year and things like mystery boosters where they say, okay, we're going to give you more reprints, but we're going to give you more of them. And that means that there will be like, we're going to have more rares and more mythics in these sets so that we're not actually reprinting them at full scale. We're going to reprint them to a lesser extent than they would be in a standard set so that there are definitely more copies in the market. There will be a reduction in price points, but they will recover and that will protect people's collections and vendor inventory. And I'm sure people like the professor would much rather them just, you know, bury these cards in the ground. But the dichotomy there that is often overlooked is that these same people that that want them to keep printing things until printing them into dust until they're worthless then complain that the EV of of products is too low when they have done that. I mean, you can't have it both ways. If if you print the these things into dust, then they're going to be cheap. And and eventually if you print something enough, it's going to it's going to be really hard for it to recover. Take a look at something like a Tarmogoyf. Um Think about what's going to happen to Dark Confidant here, announced today as being in the set. That's not a card many people need copies of right now. We don't really need this reprint, so they're going to get extra cheap, probably. Um, there are 40 Mythic Rares in the set, where there would normally be 15. So Mythics are more Mythic than Mythic. There is 121 Rares, where there would normally be 53 or so. So more than twice as many Rares as normal. But that's balanced by the fact that the booster packs in the regular boxes have two rares per pack. So that's all set up to to basically negate both sides, right? You've got twice as many, more than twice as many rares in the set. You get two rares per pack, so that won't make the rares... The rares are still a little more rare than a rare normally would be. And so you can expect their prices to not really be impacted by the fact that there are two per pack. Yep, the double up uh, is real on all counts. And um, I think you made this point earlier on Twitter, right? That basically this is a this is a master set. Only you're buying, uh, you're getting two of the rares and two uh, two rares at once instead of one rare in your pack. And um, Double Masters does not have a guaranteed foil, correct? Uh, guaranteed foil per pack. I think it actually has two foils in each pack. That would make a lot of sense. Yes, 15 card booster packs with two rares and two foil cards per pack. And yes, these foils can be up to two additional rares. So you can expect that for most of the foils, as, as they have made foils more common in the last year, the foil and non-foil price of good cards tends to be about equal. You kind of just get to choose, take your pick now. Foils aren't really carrying a premium by themselves. So box topper foils and extended art foils and showcase foils are the new pack foil. That's where you're going to see the, the major premiums. But foil versus non-foil is now kind of just get whatever you like better. Mm-hmm. Um, and... These are only 24-pack boxes, but that still means you're getting 48 rares or mythics. And the boxes are are more expensive, but not more expensive per rare or mythic. 
So as Saffron was pointing out, they're from that perspective, as long as the, the, the final list of rares and mythics has a reasonable median point, which I think is very likely to be true, you're going to do just fine, especially given that you can open... This is another set where they're reprinting Mana Crypt, so you've got a minimum $150 to $200 card. Um, maybe this one gets under 100 but since we've had it multiple times this year. But it could... It has shown itself to be resistant. So I would guess that the box topper mana crypts are, you know, 100 to 150 minimum. The foils are going to be 150 to 250 would be my guess a little further down the road. And you don't need to hit too many foil Jace the Mind Sculptor or mana crypt in a box before, you know, the top five or 10 cards in your box of this product equal the cost of the box. And I, and I think that, and I think that, similar to collector boosters, we're going to see a lot of that. I've opened a lot of Core Twenty One and Icoria collector boosters late, booster boxes lately, and it's pretty hard to go wrong. Like I've had a, I've had a few few boxes miss, but most of them, you more or less get what you pay for. If you put you know 195 bucks into it, you're going to get 200, 220, 230 in value. And then if you had to sell that stuff, you have to sell the top ten cards, subtract 15 percent, and you basically break even and then all the other stuff is free. So, I mean, the smart play from an MTG finance perspective is still to keep stuff sealed and flip it when it's appreciated. And, you know, for the from the perspective of our listeners, as opposed to the average Magic player, should they be buying double masters? It's largely going to depend on how choked the supply ends up. I'm hearing that double masters is going to be pretty plentiful that wizard and especially that the vip packs was something that wizards was trying to push through the distribution chain and it's possible that they try to make them seem really rare by choking them off in wave one and then making them relatively plentiful down the road it's possible that you're going to see 80 dollar 80 dollar packs of vip uh double masters before the year is over as the spotlight cycles on to other things and some of it gets stuck in the supply chain but it could end up like Modern Horizons, right? Where the best deals in Modern Horizons boxes were either through pro trader buys or for the average person, you know, six months after release. So I don't think our members need to be running out buying double masters. But if you want it, if you know you want to be cracking it and you're interested in, in scratching those lottery tickets, you could do a lot worse. You could also do better with specs. I mean, we had... You know, in the group buy today on singles, there was a bunch of stuff that was just <laughs> buy this card for a dollar fifty and flip it to CK for three dollars. Double Masters is not gonna touch, you know, flipping bricks to buy list opportunities. But it's probably gonna be pretty fun set to open. Oh, it's gonna be fun to open. I mean, especially as it is um, yet another set where, like you said, you can get yourself a. Um, What's his face? A mana crypt, and especially you have a chance at opening the uh, the box topper art uh, mana crypt. Um, mana crypt is actually a really so, good example of them. Like every time they print it, there's still a lot of value left in printing it. And uh, I don't, I mean, I would be surprised if they printed it again. This is what the third time in a year it's getting printed. It was in mystery boosters. And 
Alright, we'll throw time in like a year and a half. If we go by, um, and then it was in the uh, the Ultimate Masters. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. So here's the thing: VIP packs were also selling at pretty much the same price uh, for Japanese, like plus ten or plus twenty per four during pre-order season, which means you can get Japanese foil box topper Mana Crypt here. And you can get Japanese foil Jace the Mind Sculptor box topper. Some of those are going to be very pricey indeed. I mean, if anybody's going to come up with the uh, connection for Japanese VIP boxes, we know it's going to be you. So, uh, what? I've already I've already got my orders in on those, and we've already bought some. See. So let's go over some of the cards that were announced this week to be in this set since there are plenty of goodies. Um, did you catch the sneak attack box topper art? Looks sweet as hell. Super, super cool. It's like a bunch of ogres standing around eating a meal by the fire with this gigantic creature lurking in the background. Yeah. Um, we saw that Noble Hierarch is one of the box toppers. We saw a really nice Cyclonic Rift. No, I mean, the art is good. I just, I just hate the existence of the card. I'm one of those people that <laughs> can't stand this stupid card. Those are going to be very pricey. Um, we know that Brea, Atraxa, and Kalia are all included, three of the most important planeswalkers uh, of all time for EDH. Uh, I'm really put off by that Dark Confidant box topper art. A, I don't think Dark Confidant needed the reprint. B, I, I don't like the composition of this yeah, image. Yeah. And the kind of like... Somebody said on twitter like we don't need mystical dangerous asian guys as a theme in our game this year and i fully agree with that one it's it's an awkward image and it's got a real fu manchu vibe which i'm not feeling so i definitely will not be looking to keep any of those especially given that the regular art that uh the scott m fisher art that they've been using since modern masters modern masters um, is gorgeous like that art they should if if there was a full art option on that they should have just used it because it's way way better than the uh, mark zug art here i'm a little annoyed like you're gonna reuse the um the quote about you know bob being the great one and then you can't like get him into a new pose where like his face is the throne that this person is sitting on you know some I, I, what is this what is this thing's hand doing uh, what is what weird shape is this hand doing on the mantle? Why do we care about this hand on the mantle? I don't know. So speaking of divisive art, uh, what's your take on the Karn? <laughs> Karn Liberated is reprinted with Mark Tiedon art, and you think what? I think that uh, Mark Tiedon, if you've seen the panorama, the panorama is phenomenal. And have you? did you see that somebody on Reddit um, put the new art into the old antiquities frame? Looks hot. Yeah, that was sick. Look hot. Yeah. I think uh, Mark Mark Tedden has Tedden Tedden I don't know um, Tedden Mark Tedden he he's earned the right to do whatever he wants and um, it the the bigger problem is Jason Chan's original is just like kaboom you cannot mess with me that's the biggest problem is that every other art is chasing that 
You know, you cannot mess with, like, giant robot. You know, you're looking up at him from below. He's looking majestic and terrifying. Not to mention on turn three, he just means the game's fucking over. So, like, you have all that going for you, and it's a hard thing to follow up. I think this is fine. Is it not your cup of tea? Cool. I don't think it's horrendous or the end of magic or anything. <laughs> I, I definitely agree that it's not the end of magic. I do think it's horrendous. The, oh. the power plant, mine, and tower look great. Um, they should not have used this style for this character. It just... However, that said, I, even though I will never table this card in this form, <laughs> I think lots of people will. And I actually don't think that this art is going to hurt this card's uh, saleability. In fact, I think it might help it because it's it's trending towards being meme-worthy. And if people are playing this version for the memes, <laughs> then it'll sell just fine. Um, Jace the Mind Sculptor. Foil Box Topper. Expedition Map. Uh, the art's fantastic, and I would not complain about opening foils of that uh in my vip packs at all even if they're only going for 30 to 40 sword of war and peace is revealed and i think there's room for another four swords in the list so it's entirely possible that more than one of the swords if not all five of them show up as box toppers uh i'm not thrilled about that actually uh 40 slots five of them being swords eh that's not really where i would want to land um, and it's given that they showed us war to war of war and peace, which is arguably the worst sword. <laughs> um, first, it kind of leads me to believe that the others are in there because if they only sh- if they showed us like sword of fire and ice, you could convince me that well, maybe they they only gave us feast and famine and fire and ice, and they don't bother with war and peace. But since they started with war and peace, it seems like a strong signal that we're getting all five. Probably. Uh, that that seems depressingly likely. Um, I I will tell you I don't like this worm coil engine art. I don't. Oh, I don't, really? I don't think it's bad, like you said, but like it doesn't look like an engine. It just looks like a predator face, and it doesn't have that. Um, it doesn't look metallic. You mean? It doesn't look metallic, and it it also doesn't have what the original had. Um, Raymond Swaland, I think, was the original. Um, where you could kind of see like two smaller worms coiled together to make the bigger worm. I don't get that impression from this one at all. And that's, you know, again, being nitpicky, I would not be like this. I'm not going to play this one. No, 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 not at all. But if you ask me which one was sweeter, I'm going to have a clear preference. I understand that, that the execution on the original does have that added dimension that I had, in fact, never noticed until this moment. So I have a feeling this one will sell just fine, even though I agree that it is kind of a generic worm creature. Um, I think the the composition is still dynamic enough that it will be, uh, people will be into it. The Exploration Art hot. by Mark Poole. Hot. Woo! That's a hot one. I'm not going to be sad to open foils of that, and I think they'll sell very well. Um... Any other box toppers that we heard of that we haven't flagged yet? Um, I don't think so. No. We did, there was the original ones that they showed us up front a couple months back. Doubling Season, Atraxa, Blightsteel Colossus, Kalia, and Mana Crypt. So far, I think we've seen something like 15 or so of them. And I have no reason to believe these aren't going to be great. Like, financially, that these are these are looking real good yeah we got 17 (laughs) out of the 40 
you've got Cyclonic Rift, super, super staple. Noble Hierarch, usually a four of. Sneak Attack, big EDH card. Um, Exploration, fantastic art. Worm Coil Engine goes in a million EDH decks and shows up in Tron lists. You've got the Urza lands with great art. Those are going to sell well. I am not at all disappointed about having ordered something like two or three thousand dollars worth of VIP packs. I think they're going to be super sweet. The only thing I'll say about them that I think from a experience perspective is not so hot is if you spend three hundred and sixty or so dollars on collector boosters, you get to open twenty four boosters, and it's a longer, more nuanced experience. If you spend $340 to $360 on a, a box of four VIP packs, you get eight foil box toppers. You're going to have the whole thing open in five minutes or less, and then they're just going to be sitting there. <laughs> there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of exploration. It is very much about, you know, going, it's kind of like a vending machine where you go in and you put an $80 bill in and they either give you a $60 bill or a $100 bill back. And it happens pretty quick. I was actually so, going to use that exact metaphor. That. Um, I don't know if they have um, lottery ticket vending machines where you live at, but here in California, they, they have literally scratch-off vending machines. And you can go in there and you can drop $30 on a single scratch-off ticket, or you can buy 30 single-use tickets, $31 tickets, and you have your experience that you're going for. And one will take a lot longer than the other, and they're just different expressions of value. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think that you know by next week we'll know probably we'll probably know another fifteen to twenty of them. I don't think we'll have the full list spoiled for another week and a half to two weeks or so. But um, I think what what and you got any speculation you want to throw at us about what else is in here? There's so many slots left. Lots of things are in here. And I would say the average person in our Discord is going to have five to ten specs crushed <laughs> because stuff you got caught holding too long, you had too many copies, whatever. Like we knew, like for instance, Cyclonic Rift is something we were telling people six months ago, sell, right? And, and I don't have any left. So I'm in prime position because I when these new fresh Cyclonic Rifts hit and we do a group buy on a mass box cracking out of Europe, that they're going to give us 200 copies of Cyclonic Rift at like 3 or $4 below buy list, and they're going to be automatic brick returns. And that's probably the best thing you could do with Double Masters is ignore the sealed product and buy singles out of Europe that are EDH-focused that need to hop the pond to generate full value. But in terms of what's actually in the set, Panharmonicon seems like a like high likelihood. The Chain Veil could be in here. Um there's a lot of stuff that between Commander Legends in this should have just been assumed. <laughs> okay. Because there's so many reprints between the two sets that a lot of stuff's going to get hit. So it's another instance where I'm super happy not to be hyper-focused on competitive staples because things like Tarmogoyf and Dark Confidant and Jace the Mind Sculptor and Karn just keep getting reprinted and reprinted and reprinted and ground down and over time. It's the premium versions of said same that you can go shallower on and they drain out of the market before the next reprint. You have already hopped off that particular train and you're already over to the next track and riding the next, you know, 
riding the next vehicle. So I think the set looks great. Like I, I think it is fulfilling the promise that was outlined. I, th- I think people are focusing on the wrong dimensions of this set and people that, you know, buy it in any amount of quantity are not going to be disappointed with what they pull. Um, but I will say, you know, that regular packs of this set are probably going to be more fun <laughs> in terms of the total experience. If you're looking for a draw, an hour long box cracking process in front of the TV, get regular boxes because VIP is <laughs> going to be a little too quick and, and sharp. Oh, I'm just noticing that our group I doesn't have any terror of the peaks. Arr. I I know. I said I sent him a I I sent the vendor in question a note. I was like, "Hey, where's all the terror of the peaks?" Because I totally was going to buy a bunch. And he was like, g- gave me a little like catchphrase of his that kind of suggests somebody else, like a major vendor, had bought them basically. So made me feel a little bit more confident about my pick for the week. All right, that's uh, that's always good. Uh, anything else you want to add about Double Masters or anything else before we go? Well, we're only on day two. Oh, my God, that's true. Here, so. <laughs> so there's plenty more to go, and I'm sure we'll have lots more to talk about next week. Um, by next week, I think we'll have a very good picture of how good the VIP packs are, and I spoiler, they're going to be great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so. yes. Don't, don't stre- if you're stressing, are they going to be good? Uh, people at Wizards can do math, and they will be good. There's just no way there's going to be a Tree of Redemption kind of card in there. A what? Remember when Tree of Redemption? Tree of Redemption, yes. Yes. I thought you were saying some weird Canadian phrase. But no, Tree of Redemption. Yeah. No, that was was a turd in the punch bowl. It's true. They're not going to do that with the box toppers. Like, you might have... I would guess that there will be no more than three or four of these that will be sub $30 in foil. I th- I don't think any of them are going to be sub thirty dollars in foil. Something will be a stirring wildwood, but I, there's not going to be enough of them to matter. At at most, five of these will be kind of dubious, like sort of war and peace, sort of dubious. Um, but I, I'm very confident that thirty of these forty will be just home runs. Yeah, that's true. I got like a seventy five percent success rate. All right. So where can people find you online, Cliff? You can find me online uh, on Twitter at Word of Commander and my weekly articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com. Much more often my time is spent managing our thriving Discord community. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the MG, mtgprice.com Pro Trader service. For just $7.99 a month or $79.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. And boy, oh boy, if you didn't get in on the Japanese War and you didn't get in on the Double Masters deals and you didn't get in on the super cheap Ikoria Collector Boosters this week, then you probably also missed this $100,000 worth of singles that were... (laughs) pretty fantastic they're not so all gone yet want, i'm still looking at them they're i i would guess that of the 100k offered are people probably chomped off 40 to 60k in about five hours so if you want to come check that out it only costs 7.99 a month to come see what's up and uh we'll give it back to you if you don't think it's working out for you 
Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. That brings us to the end of another episode of MTG Fast Finance. I've really enjoyed our discussion, Cliff. Thanks for coming on with me. Always a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Cliff. And we'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. <laughs>